Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. But guys, I um, I want to start with a question. We talk about the Bible and reading the Bible every day, and I thought it might be interesting to find out, what do you guys do? Like, what's your plan? What's your habit of reading and praying uh, on, a, on a consistent basis? Um, I I do morning and evening. So in the morning, I, I just listen to an audio Bible, and I just kind of go through for a certain amount of time, you know, usually while I'm exercising, I'm listening to the Bible. So that's kind of how I start my day, and I pray um, after that. But when I do Bible savvy, it's in the evening. So I do it with my wife, and we, you know, go through whatever the reading is and talk about it, just like we do, you know, kind of here on the podcast. And that's kind of where we're going through this part of the Bible. I also do Epic with my kids, so it's often overlapping, kind of a similar thing, but um, that's a little different. It's a little more squirrely uh, than, than the other ones. For those of you who are newer to the podcast, Epic is the kids' version of the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, and we have a Wednesday night program here at our church where the kids are kind of tracking along with the same reading schedule that we're doing, and of course, they have a lot more fun. They play a lot of games and... <laughs> I don't know. Get goldfish crackers. I don't know. What do they get? We don't get anything in here. We no one's given us snacks. Well, Someone should be assigned to bring us snacks when we're... Some, oh, wait someone a left a few we, Starbursts. We I, the, the, the other podcast wait a minute. left us Starbursts. Is that the an offering from other. Jen and Corey? Uh, maybe. Maybe they know that they've kind of moved our stuff around. Mm. Speaking of the other podcast, do you guys want to talk about the other podcast and just get that away? <laughs> you, <laughs> said, you said that with... <laughs> With such disdain in the tone of your voice. Oh. Hey, there is a, we talked about this last week. There's a new podcast out there and the world needed another podcast. And so Clayton, (laughs) in all of his wisdom, decided I'm going to introduce another podcast to the podcast world. Uh, We're in a, we're in a year long theme right now called Face, Faith, oh gosh. Face at, Face face at at work. work. Face at work. That's just how... I always bring my face to work. That is true. (laughs) And I don't need a podcast to teach me how to do that. However, integrating my work life with my faith life, that is another story. We are currently in a year-long theme at our church called Faith at Work, connecting Sunday worship to Monday work, living one life, and it's all worship. So understanding that our vocation matters, matters to others, matters to God. So we we have launched a limited-run podcast called Faith at Work, hosted by two of our pastors here on staff, Corey Shoemate and Jen Kelly. They interview every episode a very interesting guest from a wide variety of vocations, integrating faith and vocation. So if you are wondering, does your work matter? How to integrate your faith life and your work life so you can just live one life and not have a spiritual life and a work life and a home life. If you want to put it all together, these podcasts are really, they're well done. Jen and Kelly are fantastic. Jen and Kelly. Jen and Corey. They are obviously much better <laughs> at podcasting than I am. Uh, it really is a well done podcast. It's out now. You can find it on all the podcast platforms. You can come to the church website and get it. Did I do it, Nikki? You did it great. And Thanks. I'm excited about the about the fact that, you know, like at least Jen is maybe hopefully using my microphone and not Corey, but... <laughs> Yeah, she, she still has a little of bitterness in her tone, and we're talking about them right now because while I was joking about snacks in the podcast studio, There's somebody Star left Wars. Starburst on the table. Are they fresh or are they stale? Uh, what's the difference with a Starburst? I, I mean, think they're always stale. Aren't, aren't Starburst always kind of stale? Yeah, like they're they're hard they and chewy be, at the same they time. They should be slightly mushy. Like, why just, are they? Why are they kind of crunchy? Kind of soft. Got a filling in know. your tooth, it'll just. 
Okay, back, right out. Back, back, to, back to the serious thing we were oh, talking yes. about. What were we talking about? Yeah, Nikki is not on her A game today. So I <laughs> well, feel like I am also... Oh, don't worry. In weirdo world, I'm also <laughs> wrangling this conversation. It's, it's very it's very true, but I just let it... I had to I had to bring up the podcast, so it was just perfect, perfect way to the get wrangled in there. The wrangled has become the wrangler. <laughs> so, uh, Eric, do you want to answer the question I, next about how you... Your, your every habit? I am a morning person. Uh in terms of Bible study and prayer. So every morning I get together with Verdi and Shang-Chi legend of the tank and Jack hammer <laughs> and fighter and Skittles. Okay. These are all the fish and the snails in our fish tank. Oh. And I sit on the couch right near the fish tank. And that is when I do my Bible study. That is when I do my prayer. Uh, so every, every morning I have a very particular place in my house. No one's home at that point. Like, uh, well, they might be upstairs sleeping, but Deanna's normally out of the house. Katie gets on the bus at like 6.50 in the morning. So uh, I am not a morning person in terms of like people that say they wake up at 5 a.m. and work out. And I am not that guy. Like I roll out of bed. I get my coffee. I'm a, like, I like to roll into the day slowly. Uh, and so I start my day with my Bible in Jesus. What do you do, Nikki? Um, cup of coffee first thing in the morning. Um, I'll pick up my app on my phone. And uh, read the passage. Sometimes I listen to it. If for some reason my morning is a little hectic with the with my puppy and all that stuff, I'll listen to it. Sometimes on my drive into work, but usually it's a cup of coffee in the morning with my Bible app. So, do you, right. Clayton, when you do your Bible study in the evening, do things ever just get so busy that you miss it? Uh, I mean, occasionally, you know, if there, if we're, you know, one of us is doing something late or whatever, you know, it might get close where we're like, this won't be a fruitful conversation because we're too mm-hmm. tired or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's not. That's not terribly often. I mean, once you get into a groove of things, it's easier. It feels more normal to do it. Um, but we don't stress about that. Like if if you miss a day, you just make sure you do it the next day. Like the, the the biggest problem with missing a day is that when it's the excuse to not pick it up the next time you're supposed to do the habit. So for us, we say, you know what? We were out late and this would be, oh my gosh. This leads us to our comma tip of the week. If you fail to plan... You plan to fail. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. So in terms of Bible study, having a prayer life, you got to have some kind of working plan. Don't be like me who hates working out physically. And so I never quite put my exercise in my schedule. And so I always have a reason for it to not happen. Don't be like that with your Bible study and your prayer life. Have a time, have a place, have a generally working plan. Don't beat yourself up Beat yourself up if you miss a day or it doesn't work out perfectly. Some of us are morning people. Some of us are lunchtime people. Some of us are nighttime people. Mm-hmm. But have a plan for your Bible study and your prayer life. Have a place, have a time, have some consistency. Because if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And this has been your comma tip of the week. All right, let's get into our passage for today. We are in the book of Proverbs. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 11. And uh, let me explain this because this is a little different kind of passage than the ones that we normally look at. Um, For context here, uh, Proverbs is a wisdom book, which means it's about practical knowledge. It's not just theoretical facts. It's saying, uh, how do you actually live in God's world. So God made uh, a good world. Uh, He designed it with his wisdom. And so learning wisdom is kind of learning how to live within the grain of the universe, you know? And so um, most of the book of Proverbs, after about nine chapters or so, is simply a collection 
of kind of pithy sayings, um, it, and they're not organized in some particular thing. It's not like they, they're all kind of one theme, like here's the money chapter with a bunch of sayings about money. Here's a relationships chapter with all the relationship sayings. It's kind of random. Uh, sometimes they're organized by who the author was because there's a few different people that got their collections of sayings or whatever. Um, but when you read a chapter of Proverbs, you're going to... Ha- oh, oh, what? Two tips. This never happens. What? Oh my gosh. This is a new moment. We're going to have a second comma tip of the week. Several years ago, I was pastoring at a church in Tennessee and the senior pastor had the whole congregation do this. If you are interested in learning and growing in a particular area of life, let's say money, for example, you could read through the entire book of Proverbs and highlight every verse that talks about money. And then what you would have done is you would have collected a ton of wisdom in one particular area of your life. So it might be relationships or how you think about work or how you think about uh, the kinds of things that come out of your mouth. Just pick an area of your life that you want to grow and develop in and go through Proverbs. And as you're reading, highlight the verses that apply to it. And this has been your second comma tip of the week. That was fantastic. Wow. Wow. Did not see that coming. What were you even talking about? I don't know. <laughs> Proverbs. Proverbs. Okay. So uh, here's here's where this gets challenging, okay? The fact that it is um, a bunch of short sayings, they're not well organized. This, this chapter has like 30 verses in it. So you are not going to be able to sort of like bring it all together. That means that when you read Proverbs, you are almost always going to have to pick one proverb to focus on. You can't focus on them all. And that is okay. That, that's that's always true when it comes to a passage of scripture. You can always say, I'm going to focus on this one thing. And the next time I come around, I'll learn some more from it. It's very, very clear you have to do that with Proverbs. So that's how we're going to go about this today. Um, rather than reading this entire chapter and just going from one thing to the next to the next, what we've done is each of us have picked one proverb. So we've already looked ahead at this passage. So um, if you'd like to look ahead and kind of pick your own proverb, you can you can do that. Pause that now. now. But um, for us, we are going to go through um, three proverbs that we looked at, and those will be our observations. Okay, and so we're gonna we're gonna uh, share each of those, and then we are gonna go through when we do the message. Uh, we're gonna do it in a slightly different way because proverbs is a pretty unique kind of literature. So let's start with those observations, uh, let's pick our three different Proverbs. Okay, so I'll start. I chose the proverb in uh, chapter 11, verse 17, says this, those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. All right, and so rather than us sharing all the things, we are going to, the way we're gonna do message is for each person's observation, we're gonna jump right into a message. So here's the the questions we're going to ask about this, all right? Um, when you are reading a proverb, you need to, some of it's already kind of in that kind of message format, like a short sentence kind of thing, but there's often often some things to ponder and you almost have to draw the principle out and say, what's the, what's the principle behind this proverb? And so we're going to do that, but then proverbs are unique in that when we look at the principle, it is not something that is always true all the time. You actually have to ask the question, when does this apply and when does it not? So uh, we're going to talk about uh, Eric's proverb here. And so what, Eric, kind of what message, what principle do you get out of that one? Yeah, so the, the message that I get from this proverb is that kindness and cruelty are somewhat counterintuitive. So it says, those who are kind benefit themselves, which is counterintuitive because you, you generally think kindness benefits others. If I'm kind to others, I'm not looking for my own self-interest. 
Kindness is about caring about the other person. But this says that those who are kind benefit themselves, which seems counterintuitive. And then the second part of the second sentence in this proverb is, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. Once again, counterintuitive. Normally when someone is being cruel to another person, they're doing it for self-interested reasons. And so they think by being cruel to this person, I'm getting something out of this. This proverb completely flips that. Kindness and cruelty don't work the way we think they work. Yeah. So the question after you sort of figure out, all right, what's the principle behind the proverb always then becomes, where does it apply? Where does it not? Let me give you an example of why this is, okay? Um, there is a, there's a set of proverbs, a very famous set of proverbs um, that are back to back with each other. And they, they start off like this. One says, uh, answer a fool according to his folly and he will become wise or something like that. I don't have it right in front of me. And then the proverb right after that says, do not answer a fool in his folly or you will become just like him. And so you're like, whoa, 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 which is it? I got a fool in front of me. Do I answer him or do I not answer him? And Proverbs responds with, well, it depends. And so in some sense, you have to become a wise enough person to know when a proverb applies and when it doesn't. And so in this case, this counterintuitive uh, kindness and cruelty thing, we've got to ask the question, what kind of situations does this apply and which ones doesn't it? What do you guys think? Well, I don't think it's ev- it's always true transactionally. So if I'm thinking it, where it says those who are kind benefit themselves. So every time I'm interacting with someone and I choose to be kind, it doesn't mean that I'm therefore in that interaction going to receive some kind of benefit. That's not true. Sometimes you're just kind to someone else and it actually costs you something to be kind to them. And in the immediate context, you do not receive a benefit. Yeah. And I think the same is true on the cruelty side. Right. Like sometimes cruel people, they they do just fine. You know what I mean? Like this cruel person seems to be doing well for themselves. Uh, it might not be, uh, you know, one for one kind of thing. Yeah. So if an example would be, if we're talking transactionally again, someone that's being cruel to another person, it might make them feel better in the immediate. So like think about a parent that's being cruel to their child. Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're giving vent to their anger. Their kid's doing something. It's frustrating the parent. And the parent physically abuses the child. They're being cruel to the child. In the immediate context, the parent might actually feel better. Like they have, they have a release of their anger. And so in the immediate, the cruelty actually benefited them. Does this make any sense? Yeah, yeah but in the long run. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> that's, see, that, that's, where, that's where it tends to be more accurate. In the long run the cruel person accumulates the sorts of things, the, the guilt and the shame on the inside and mm-hmm. then the broken relationships and the mm-hmm. you know, broken trust and all of those things that in the long run really cost them yeah. and the flip side for the kind person. Yeah, so for this proverb, I think it's not true always in the short term, but almost always true in the long run. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think you can. I, I, when you said that, I even thought of like, like the concept of like a bully popped into my mind, right? Like we know that there's kids all day long that are being picked on and bullied at school uh, for no reason. They could be as kind as can be to the people around them and just going about their own way. And then all of a sudden they just have someone uh, that comes in and, and does whatever they feel like they need to do. And usually those those kids could be acting out in a cruel way because in some way they're receiving some sort of cruelty themselves Mm -hmm. you know so it it's it's really interesting how it 
it doesn't, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Like, hey, I'm a kind kid, but yet my kindness does not uh, produce other people being kind to me, you know? And well, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not intentionally a cruel person, but people are cruel to me. So it kind of makes me act out in a cruel way. Like it's, it's yeah. really, it's really odd. Does that make sense? I'm staring at the ceiling right now, everyone, because so, yes and no. I've got that pensive. So hmm. here's, here's the thought process. Like if there's a kid in school, and by nature, he's a kind person. He's kind to everybody around him, right? His kindness um, doesn't always produce others being kind to him. In the short run. In the short run, right, in the short run. But then there are some kids who are not cruel by nature, right? But they have cruelness done. Like people are acting cruelty towards them. That they're, act, they're acting cruelly yeah, yeah, towards yeah. them, right? Or they're having crullers from the bakery. I mean, donuts like are great. Like a French cruller? And Is then, that how you say it? Mm-hmm. And then by connection, they become a cruel person because they have so much hurt. Right. And so yeah. much. It's the hurt people hurt people. Yeah. 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 You know, and kind people are kind to people. It's just, it's weird. Yeah. That that long run thing though, I, it is, a, it's, it's kind of a cool thing to think about when you apply to particular situations, like you think you, you say like, so often we get consumed with our own thing, right? Like we get turned in on ourselves We're you know, and, and sometimes it's less like overt cruelty. It's just sort of like selfishness. It's just sort of indifference or that sort of thing. But the extra effort to say, I'm going to go out of my way to show kindness to my family, to the people in my home, or to the people that I work with or whatever, like the, like the long run, that person ends up with, like like the things you really want out of those things. Like you end up with the connection with your spouse or your kids or your brother or your sister that you hope for, mm-hmm. that you say, this is kind of what life makes life worth living, that I have this kind of relationship. The people you work with, like in the short run, you might end up saying, yeah, I can get the thing done or I can focus on this, but building the relationship and the trust, that's what really p- pays off in the long run. Like this is what makes work work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, there's really something to that because it almost seems like the the... Uh, less effective thing to say. I'm gonna. I'm gonna emphasize kindness here. Uh, it's cool. It, it might be in the category of I'm thinking of the verse from Hosea, where it, it says, "You sow to the wind and you reap the whirlwind." Yeah. Uh, if if you are intentionally being a person of kindness, you're creating a an atmosphere. You're creating a culture. So if you're kind in your home to your siblings or your spouse or your kids, you're cre- you're creating a culture of kindness, and you yourself are going to benefit from that. Mm-hmm. If you if you do the the reverse of that, if you are acting cruelly, not being kind, you're also going to create a cruel environment, and then you are going to suffer in the in the kind of culture that you created. So I'm I'm right, it, but it still goes back to the like the short term, long term yeah. kind of thing. Right. Yeah. All right. So we have now talked about Eric's uh, passage here. So maybe you noticed what we did. We didn't spell it all out, but in some ways, we just went through the last three steps of comma. We talked about the message. We got that principle, which sometimes uh, is fairly quick. I mean, proverbs are already kind of in these kind of short, pithy things. Um, but then the meditation. Um, especially with wisdom literature, often is the sort of thing where you're pondering with a group of people, kind of slowing down to say, well, how does it work? And then the application sort of flows out of that. You realize, oh, this situation, that situation. And so we've kind of done that uh, over the course of talking about this. And that, and what's interesting is that's how you become wise. That process is what Proverbs is supposed to do in you so that by the end, you are the sort of person it describes. 
So we're going to do it two more times with the other verses that we picked out. So Nikki, you want to share the proverb you picked out? Yeah. uh, So chapter 11, verse 14, it says, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Um, The message that I got out of this is that leaders can't lead well by themselves. Um, So in this particular passage, it's talking about like a political or military setting because it talks about a nation. Um, And it's this idea that if nations want to be saved, these leaders are responsible for entire people groups, right? And so they need to seek the wise counsel of, of people and not just rely solely on their own thoughts or perspectives or biases or whatever the case may be. Um, and so usually it, it you got to have wise, good people, wise, godly people around you. Okay. So that means we now, we've got a principle, but we need to ask the question, where does it work and where does it not work? Where does it apply and what are its limits? What do you guys think? Well, um, for me... Um, well, obviously it applies to like our national leaders. Like we, we know that, um, for me, um, I thought about it in connection to my job as a leader here at Christ Community Church and the team that I lead, um, you know, the decisions that I make, like making sure that I'm, I'm getting the right people in on those conversations. Um, also thought about it working in just personal life in general, uh, with pretty much any situation that involves making a decision, like why not seek the advice of wise, godly people um, to help you make decisions and lead well? Uh, so to me, th- those are two things that popped into my mind. I have a question and a qualifier on this proverb. My, my, my question is, how is victory won? Hmm. So verse four, it says, victory is won through many, many advisors. Isn't victory won just through pure brute force? Like, Wow, Where, I, wearing someone else out, like in, in yeah. a military type. Yeah, but it's no, no, it, it's not. It, I mean, <laughs> that's it's not true. based on the on the context. I think on the situation. I I I mean, it's not just obviously. If you got a bigger army, you know, more powerful weapons. Yeah, how do how do you win the battle? I overpowered the enemy. But you also, but that that also is just not true because because. Because <laughs> you've got uh, smart generals who are saying, "No, we'll, we'll approach it this way." Yeah, strategy matters, mm-hmm. and and you know, obviously, you got an army three times your size. You pro- no strategy is going to help you, but it might. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, you can have some good. Ferris is laughing. He's some good constructive conversations. I know beforehand. Well, I'm not just trying to get a reaction, yeah, no, but no, the no, question no. does set up it my does. qualifier. Yeah. It does because a lot of people would say victory is just won through beating your opponent, mm. right? Uh, and then you guys immediately went to strategy. Well, what if the other, what if your opponent has good strategy? Pure, brute force isn't going to beat good strategy necessarily. Victory is won through many advisors. Here's my qualifier. Many advisors or many good advisors? Man, mm. Many good advisors. Good godly. But it doesn't say good advisors. It just says. Well, okay. It could, it could be a little of both. Obviously, you'd rather have many good advisors, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's quality. But. Sometimes there is value of saying, I'm going to hear a range of thoughts so that I can actually hold up good and good and bad ideas or good and better ideas against each other. Like there's, there's something that's more like, you don't want to think of a situation of saying there is the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, there's wisdom situations are like, there's a range of things you could do. And it's not always clear which one is the best. And sometimes it's in the process of the talking 
that you realize, oh, this idea kind of rises to the top or compared to that, or, you know, this person's idea asks a good question of this other idea that, you know, you've got to work it out. And it's in even a mix of some bad ideas that you come to something better. Um, obviously, good ideas are better, but the bad ideas aren't valueless when you compare it to the other ones. So according to this proverb, I should have a bunch of advisors and some of them should be smart. But whoa, I wonder if that's picking Gets up it. on the microphone. Did you hear that? Are you we're, hungry? We are close to dinner time and my stomach is working. Oh man. Uh, according to this proverb, should I collect a group like some smart people and some dumb people? <laughs> no, not ideally. But you shouldn't talk to just one person because right. you're not going to know if they're smart or dumb. Right. And you, and you shouldn't just talk to people who you know are going to tell you what you want to hear. You need to talk to people who are going to give you, say some hard things possibly, and give you some good things to think about. Okay. I, I also think about, okay, here's a situation where, a different kind of situation where it might not work, um, is when conventional wisdom is wrong. So if you, if, you, if you ask a bunch of advisors and they're all like, yeah, do this, do this, do this. And that's because in general, people have been convinced that certain things work, that it turned out they don't. I mean, we, we all know the situations where we're like, yeah, everybody kind of just did it this way and we all never really thought about it. And so it seemed obvious to us. And then you realize, oh, I, you know, that wasn't the best way to do it. And so I think um, like sometimes a leader's got to say, in spite of the fact that everybody says this is the way to do it. I, I'm recognizing that this is actually a better idea. And sometimes that's going to buck a trend. You know what I mean? That, those are the innovative type peoples. Those are, it's a risk when you do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I also wouldn't want to do that without having talked to people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it also goes back to as well, like once you've got all of that counsel, you, you set and you process and you pray about it and you go, okay, well, is there anything that, is there anything any, any one of these decisions that would definitely go against what would please and honor God. And if it is, well, then that's not your right decision to me. Eric's smiling it's, again. Eric's smiling. It's, it's reminding me of the, the Lincoln quote. I just, I just pulled it up here on my phone. You remember this when he's, when he's talking with his cabinet? And the quote is, seven nays and one A, the A's have it. <laughs> and he's saying, I'm hearing, I'm hearing all of you right now. Wait a minute. And we're going with what I say. Does Wait, this... repeat that again? Yeah. Seven nays. Seven, uh-huh. One A. Uh-huh. The A's have it. So, and it was so, his? So, yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's, he's going with the minority report. He's saying, everybody thinks this, but he, this- He had a cabinet. He mm -hmm. had a group uh -huh. of advisors, and mm -hmm. all of them were saying no to something. And the one person who said yes. And he was saying yes. He's like, well, <laughs> or well, I, well, I hear you, but we're going this direction. Yeah. What would be interesting, though, is if that wasn't just Lincoln saying, I'm going to do what I want. He's saying, you know what? I talked to all seven of you. One of you had a different idea from the others, but I'm, I'm assessing that this person, they knew what they were talking about when the rest of us didn't. Like there are probably occasions where that happens, mm -hmm. where, where the leader says, I thought I, I thought it was going to be one way. I heard everybody's opinion. The one person who had a keen insight persuaded me in spite of nobody else thinking the same way. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't even know what website I'm on right now. Mm. It's no. ask, well. this is the danger of Google searches, ask historians. So it says, uh, while the story is apocryphal, it does illustrate a truth about Lincoln's relations with his cabinet. The Emancipation Proclamation was opposed by many of Lincoln's own cabinet secretaries who thought it would unnecessarily block peaceful reconciliation with the Confederacy and maybe even invite foreign intervention. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the places where 
the principle um, need, needs to be nuanced, right? Where there are certain things that are right, even if it's not popular. You know, there's there's you listen to the advisors, but it doesn't mean you have to go with all of them all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> See, this <laughs> look mm, at that. Proverbs. I feel myself getting more wise right now, <laughs> even as we talk. All right, let's let's uh, do uh, my proverb here. We're going to do uh, chapter eleven, verse ten, and it says this. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. And so I think that the principle here is that the whole community benefits when good people do well. So the idea is that um, there are these righteous people and suddenly they're, you know, they're doing well, whether their business is going well, they're, you know, their, their flocks and their herds are growing, they're, you know, gaining influence or whatever it is. And it's not just that they say, wow, I feel really good. I'm, I'm happy for myself. The whole city looks at them and says, I'm really thankful that this person is doing so great. Like they're successful and we like that they're successful. And I think that comes from the idea that if a righteous person gets more influence, if they have you know more uh, sway over the community because they're doing well, then everybody gains from that. The goodness of that person's character overflows into benefit for the people around them. And so the more influence they have, the more benefit that that leads to people around them. Hmm. All right, so here's the question. When, when does that work? When does it not? When does it apply? What are its limits? I th- oh, this is a tough one. Yeah. I think generally speaking, if you have someone wicked in power or someone wicked who is causing darkness, pain, suffering for people in a city. So you can think about uh, criminal activity or a dictator, someone in political power who's oppressing the people that they oversee. When that wicked person perishes, generally speaking, yes, the, the like city rejoices. This is, yeah, this is great. Finally, this person who is wicked and evil is no longer influencing our lives. Where it doesn't work is sometimes when people don't care how wicked or evil the person is because they're somehow benefiting from that person's wickedness or evil. Mm. Now they want that person. They're kind of turning a blind eye to their wickedness and evil because they're somehow benefiting from it. Yeah. I think that Mm. would be a situation where that doesn't work. Yeah. And does it also apply on the flip side where if there are people in the city who are reaping some sort of benefit from the wicked that is happening, when a righteous person comes in, they're not excited They're about not that. They're not excited yeah. about it. Yeah, because the reforms are going to cost them something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think on the on the when it works side, the, again, this is one of those general principles, but I can think I can think of like work situations where there are times where um, someone who on paper has like the, the better skills, but they're the sort of person who like just leaves a trail of, of bodies behind them. You know what I mean? It's the it's the people who who like hurt other people as they're going about getting things done. The person who uh, can't communicate well or has bad relationships or, uh, or has some underlying thing that's, you know, sapping them of spiritual vitality, all those things, they may be really good at the, the, the skills, um, but their character undermines it. And so the people that, that are like, hey, you put this person in charge, you give, gave them that assignment or you asked them to do this thing, it's like, oh man, this is like, and, and in some ways, if they're gone, People are like, oh, we kind of feel relieved. Mm-hmm. Even though we know that they were effective in some ways, this is, wasn't good for all of us. And, and the flip side, sometimes there are people who it's like the real benefit of them is they have great character and they, they lift up all the other people around them because 
you know what? They're, they're a real blessing to them. And even, even if on paper, someone else might have just, you know, a notch above on skill. Yeah. In, in the business context or organizational context, it would be sometimes a good firing is as beneficial for staff culture as a good promotion. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I keep going back to Google today, <laughs> but now I'm at, M- now I'm at NBC news. Okay. okay. And this is, this is somewhat dated, but the headline is Iraqi Americans celebrate Saddam's execution. Yeah. And the, the lead into the article says dozens of Iraqi Americans gathered late Friday at a Detroit area mosque to celebrate reports that Saddam Hussein had been executed, cheering and crying as drivers honked horns in jubilation. Yeah. Yeah. There are, there are, there are those very vivid ones where someone has been uh, an oppressor and they're gone. I, I, think the, I think the positive side is really interesting though, because it almost, it almost issues a challenge to us to say, are you the sort of person that if you started to be successful, the people around you, instead of looking on with envy or resentment or you know feeling like they got left out of it, are saying their success is going to be my success. Their success is going to, to benefit me. Like if I was going to pick anybody to, to really do well, I would want them because my life is going to get better. I, that's to be that sort of person mm-hmm. would be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, like it's, it's a pretty inspiring uh, prospect here. As I'm reading this proverb, I'm asking the question, why? It says, when the righteous per- when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Well, why? And when the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Why? Your, your reading of this proverb is slightly different than mine in terms of the, the emphasis I'm, I want to put on it at first reading. I'm reading some cause and effect into this. So I'm thinking the reason that the city is rejoicing over the righteous person prospering is they're somehow benefiting from that righteous person prospering. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the re- and why they are sh- shouting for joy when the wicked person perishes is because they have been experiencing Hurt. the negative yeah. effects yeah. of that person. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing. Oh, so we're saying the yeah, same we thing. Yeah, we're saying the same okay. thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But the it, the the tricky part is when that's reversed, when the when people are saying I'm benefiting from the bad guy. That's when it doesn't work. When they're mm-hmm. convinced, I need this this person because you know something's kicking back to me, um, and 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 that's not just like a community thing. That's like within families and homes. There are like toxic systems that people never change because something works for them in that they don't confront the the you know bad dynamics because they say, you know, what? I know how to operate in this, and if I did that, it would threaten something. I would have to give something up or change something that I do. And there are those kinds of situations where we say, I don't actually want the good and righteous person to come in and fix things because you know what? I know how to do this one. And I'm, I, I like where I'm at in the system. You know, we had an example of this on this podcast. Really? So how long ago was it that we had Chris Baker on the podcast? Oh man, this mm-hmm. is like first season. This is yes, like, so it's like really so early. A reminder. So Chris Baker is a tattoo artist. And one of the things that he does is he covers up tattoos or removes tattoos for people who have gotten out of sex trafficking or uh, gang activity. So you would say, and he's prospering. He's doing good work. His company is doing well, but not everybody is rejoicing because he's doing some of this work for free. And so other tattoo parlors are losing out on the business Mm -hmm. of covering up these tattoos, which costs a lot of money to remove tattoos or cover them up. Um, And so he is a working example of the exception to the rule. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. when the righteous is, are prospering, 
the whole city doesn't necessarily celebrate. And yet all of the, there's a whole bunch of people who are like, way to go for this guy because mm-hmm. they are people who are finding their lives turned around. Like there's, it's a, a incredible healing process for the person who says this good man is saying he's going to take, take care of this tattoo that has been haunting me every day when I look in the mirror. Like that's, they're rejoicing because this good man is prospering. So it's okay. It's kind of both principles at the same time, like both the exception and the, and the rule. And this is how Proverbs work. So uh, all of this, okay, the reason we did these three examples is to show you that as we talk about this book, um, it is not a, I figured it out, I apply it really directly. It is a process of mulling over and thinking and applying. And as a result, you become a wiser person and a wiser community. Well, there you have it, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. In the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> hey! <laughs> what?